morning, St. George's. Let's, uh, let's open in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that speaks to us, that reveals your character and your truth. And, and Lord, I pray over this next little while that we would learn who you are, that we would learn um, the words that you have for us, and they would speak to our hearts, and they would soften our hearts to what it is that you're doing in our lives and in this world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, I trust you have your Bibles open to uh, Matthew 6. We are going to be taking a look specifically at verses 7 and 8. R.D. took us through um, the first two verses last week and uh, introduced us to our new series on prayer. So we're specifically doing this series in this time because it is the, or the season of Lent. And Lent is a time to reflect and to work on spiritual discipline and to uh, focus on God. And so we hope that this series not only lasts for the season of Lent, but continues on as well as we learn more about prayer. And you know this section of the Bible, even if you've been to church once or twice, you've heard these words, specifically the Lord's Prayer, uh, which we'll be going into next week. But you know this part, and so we get to look a little bit of the context leading up to those words that we know. We heard last week from R.D. these words of Jesus that talked about not praying like the hypocrites, right? The ones that pray on the street corners for all to see and all to hear in order that they might be seen as spiritual or, or more holy than others. Instead, it said, pray to your God in secret. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with going out on the streets and praying for others and praying to your Heavenly Father. But do you pray in secret? Do you know your relationship with God behind closed doors? Or is it just for others to see? Be alone with your Heavenly Father. That's, that's the idea. It's what's, what is your heart behind that? And we're going to go more into that right today, this, this idea of our prayers are one thing. It's our heart that really matters, and God sees that. God sees our heart so this idea, go behind closed doors, no distractions, no temptation to pray in a way that might impress others, just you and God. Well, we're looking at prayer, and that's something that we should all um, be familiar with in some way, and I think we all have different prayer lives, and we all see each other with different prayer lives, and uh, we tend to do some comparing, and and uh, we don't want to be comparing our lives to others in that way because it is this idea of in secret. Prayer is a special and unique part of our faith. It is our relationship with our Heavenly Father, who is a Father indeed. And that's why we can pray in conversation with Him and turn to Him and go to Him. But we make it up to be many things that it's not, right? We make up prayer to be, uh, maybe if we've been a Christian for a while, we start having a bit of a formula to it or a pattern in which we pray, and we, we basically think that maybe it's like a speech in school that we're being graded on, right? It's just we're trying to structure it perfectly, as if God listens to our prayers and gives a checkmark for structure and checkmark for content, grammar, number of spiritual words that you use, number of Bible verses quoted in your prayers, those are all great things, but if, 
if they're empty, then they're meaningless. And that's exactly what this um, passage talks about. It says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Not empty phrases. We should stop trying to earn check marks on our prayers from God. And, and to what end do we do this, right? To what end do we pray in a certain way with these formulas that we, that we have? Is it so that our prayer will be answered? Is that why we do it? Or so that we'll earn our way to the top of the class in, in God's eyes? Or so that when we mess up and we're in a bad season in our life, we can say to God, hey God, remember how perfectly structured my prayers were when I was doing well? Well, I think, actually, I, I know that we're getting it wrong if that's, if that's how we're thinking about it. So if we look at this passage, it says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do. They think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So the first I want to focus on this idea of heaping up phrases. Without even looking at the, the word empty yet, heaping up phrases. Why was this a warning that was happening? And why was it specifically pointed at the Gentiles? You know, the last passage we talked, how it was pointed at the hypocrites, often the, the Jewish hypocrites, the Pharisees, who might be out on the corners. Now, this is specifically pointed at the Gentiles, i.e., the non-Jewish people. And, and the Gentiles that would have been around in Jesus' time, that would have been potentially at this sermon that Jesus is speaking to many, um, you'd see Romans, you'd see Greeks, you'd see some Syrians and Samaritans, and those are just a few. There'd be a smattering of, of different people. And these people also had prayer lives of their own, just not to the same God. The Gentiles' prayers were not dedicated to a personal father God. And so picture this. In, in, in the Greek world, you have this, this pantheon of Greco-Roman gods and goddesses, right? We all have heard the story about all the Roman gods and the Greek gods. And there were these immortal superhumans with super strengths and powers, and, but also super weaknesses and flaws. And they're believed to have these incredible but limited powers and able to influence human affairs, right? They actually, these gods, they thought that they could influence the world. They could either destroy a man or prosper him, depending on how much you flattered that god or how much you prayed to him in repetition. Or how much you prayed to that god instead of the, that god's rival. Like, there's rival gods, right? So if you pray too much to the rival one, this god won't, won't love you as much and won't answer you. So there's this whole thing going on in the Gentile world. And because it was hard to get the attention of these gods, the Gentiles would often be heaping up phrases, repeating themselves, fatiguing the gods is what they might say. If I just keep praying, I might get the attention of this God. And what we know of our God, our, our one true God, is that's not the case. God hears us first time. And in fact, in this passage, it says, your father knows what you need before you even ask him. 
So mindlessly putting your requests in God, whatever God that these Gentiles are praying to, they just were hoping and on the chance that they'd be heard. You might get the picture that these Gentiles were kind of just talking to themselves because they were praying so many words, but they almost didn't even listen to their own words because they're just praying to hope to get through. It's not that family relationship with God. It's like a transaction. And so that's what this warning is. When we think about this warning, it's to the Gentiles who would be there in the crowd. And look, this is, this is pointed, right? It's very pointed to the Gentiles. But this speaks to us as well. Because we do get lost in prayer. We do. Have you ever prayed, you know, maybe out loud or even in your head, but also been having like a side conversation in your head, thinking about something else? Now you can get so routined. You're like, oh, I actually was hardly paying attention to what I was saying there. Have you ever had that? I think it happens more often than we're proud of necessarily. But Jesus is contrasting this right now with God's relationship with his disciples, right? With the Heavenly Father. So two things to think about is, is that in the audience, there were Gentiles. This is pointed attack. But yes, he's being less literal and not saying just, just Gentiles listen, everyone else go off on your own. No, he wants everyone to be hearing this because we're all caught up in these ways too. But I want us to come away from just the heaping up of phrases and the repetition that maybe sometimes we do have and focus on this idea of emptiness, empty prayers. Listen, if your heart is consumed and overwhelmed by a grievance of some sort, pray to your Heavenly Father with fervor. Repeat yourself. That's fine. Turn to Him. Your repetition will not change how, how God reacts to what you're facing, but here's what it does do. When we repeat our prayers, if we're in this moment of passion, we just need to turn to God. That repetition, if it's full of good heart, and repetition, or and passion, and it's not empty, it's not going to change God's outcome towards you. He knows you. He already knows. But it'll change you. That repetition can change your heart if it's full. It's not empty prayers. Because how could any time with our face and our eyes fixed upon our Savior not give us comfort? And so, our prayers are a matter of the heart. If he knows what we need before we even ask him, then why do we pray? Well, it's for us. So that we can turn to God. We can lean on him. So we can be comforted, comforted by just being in his presence. Just being with God. So empty phrases, this idea of empty phrases is a warning for us to check our hearts when we do pray. When you pray in the morning, when you pray before a meal, I mean, there's a time when certainly we can be stuck 
in a formula saying grace and the words just come out like we have to pray before we eat so this is what we do but do you mean the words that you're saying are you grateful for what God's given you that day the provisions and the meal the way that he's blessed you it's the heart that matters Now, in my own prayer life, if I were to um, be vulnerable with you guys, I would say that I catch myself in some of these empty phrase patterns. Um, I can honestly say that there are times, even just praying at home with myself, nobody else around, that I'm somehow picturing myself praying like in a prayer circle, pre-service or you know, some, I'm, I'm picturing like saying the, the right words that are going to sound good. Even in my own head, with nobody around, I'm thinking, ooh, that was a good phrase. I'm going to save that. You know, I'm going to save that for, for when I'm praying out loud around others. I'm guilty of it. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a funny thing. It, it really is. And I, I catch myself, and I feel convicted in it. If I catch myself in that moment, I think, Dan, just pray to God. You know, talk. And ask and listen directly from the heart. Be together with God. I'd say the, the other frequent flaw, if I'm just as, I'm going to be no more vulnerable than this. Just two flaws, okay? That's all you get. <laughs> um, the other one, and this is definitely uh, guilty of being empty, is... We pray for things, for God to be involved in, in things, for him to have um, his rule and his reign over parts of our lives, right? And I'm, I'm going to say specifically uh, for finances, what I, I'm going to say for my example. God, would you continue to provide for us? Would you be with us? And uh, I trust you in the future with our family and, and our finances. I say that. And I mean that in some sense because, you know, being a young adult and living in, in Burlington, there's a, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of faith needed um, to overcome the idea of living here long term. But we've been blessed with a beautiful church that I'm able to work at. Victoria has been blessed with a great clinic that she can work at. We're close to family. It seems that God wants us here. But How? Okay, God, I trust you with my finances, with my future, with providing a way. But then what do I do? I go off and I try and find other creative ways to make, you know, side hustle income so that I can somehow survive and make the money and, and not just survive, but try and thrive. And, but God's given me a job. God's given me two jobs. He's, maybe some of you know this and maybe you don't. Uh, Victoria and I are superintendents at a 65-plus uh, independent living building in Burlington. We take care of the building. It's part-time. And it allows us to have free living. And that blessing came immediately after I went full-time in ministry and decided to give up some of that money that I had been chasing. So God's clearly blessing me. Why don't I trust him? Why do I still try and go outside of what he is providing? And so I ask God to come into this area of my life. 
I say I'm loosening my grips, and I'm still trying to do it myself. And so there's an empty prayer. There's an empty prayer that I have in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm calling God in. I'm asking him to come into my life in this certain way. And, and, and we're trying to do this in every way, right? In finances and in family and in, in friendships. All these things. We're loosening our grips to God with our words. Why are we putting forth the effort to actually trust him with it? Are we just saying, God, you can have this area, but I have to work, like, I need to have some control first. Is there a spot in your life that that's happening? That you seem to be heaping up empty prayers to God. You're saying, God, I trust you with your words, but not with your life. And God knows your heart. He knows that you genuinely do want to give all things to God. He knows that you're trying. But are you making sacrifices for the sacrificial faith that you have in your Heavenly Father? You know, giving, giving it all to God with our, our prayers is one thing, but if our actions aren't there, then it's dead it's empty words we hold our grips on things instead of saying god you can have it all it's empty it's meaningless and it lacks faith it's living in fear that you don't have to live in god has set you free from that you can have faith in god how could we lack faith in a god who cares for us so richly like we said in our call to worship the birds and the lilies are cared for. Though they don't toil, they don't reap or sow, still our Heavenly Father cares for them. How much more? How much more will he care for us? So how can we not trust the God who gave it all to save us? Listen, you have a Father in Heaven who created you, who cares for you, and who knows you more intimately than you even know yourself. Right? He knows what we need before we even ask. He knows us more than we know ourselves. So Jesus' command here is to pray to God with vulnerability. With an open heart. Do you do this when you pray? Are you vulnerable? Because God sees you anyways. You may as well not try and hide. He just wants you to be close. He's a father. He just wants your heart. Pray honestly and give it all to him. And he will actually give back a peace and a comfort that surpasses all understanding. That's a promise that we have. You know, that, that when we spend time with, with our God, with proper intimacy, with, with proper vulnerability and honesty, he grants us a peace that nothing else can. Even if it be for that moment that you spend time with him, praying to him. 
that's two minutes in the morning, it's 15 minutes, it's a 10-second prayer as you go throughout your day, and you see the beautiful creation around you, you say, hey, thanks, God, that's pretty awesome, and you're on about your day. There's comfort in just that little bit, because you've, you've spent time with your Father, you've prayed to Him. So it's profitable for us to pray honestly. And if you don't know how to pray sometimes or what to pray, sometimes there's just no words for what we're facing. Listen and be comforted by these words from Romans 8. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. The Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. You hear what that's saying? The Spirit actually prays on our behalf and for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Or other translations would say, wordless groanings. That's stuff that is just so deep inside us and so painful. And you're just so overwhelmed that if you were talking to someone in real life, you might just make an odd sound. You're just so overwhelmed. Well, that's what the Spirit does for us. He cries out and makes that sound for us. But he does it in a way that it says here, our Father um, knows what the Spirit is saying on our behalf. Not what we're saying, because we can't find the words sometimes. It's that we're coming to the Father honestly. And so we ask, God, help us pray. Help us have the words but ultimately, to comfort us, the Holy Spirit helps us when we pray. Some of our deepest needs and desires can't be expressed into words, and that's why we're comforted to know that Spirit intercedes for us, literally goes in between for us in those moments, and helps us. If we look back at where we've come since, since verse 5 in this passage, Jesus is saying, don't be like the hypocrites. Rule number one, clear as day. Don't be like the hypocrites. Pray to your Father in secret. Rule number two, don't be like the Gentiles. Clear as day. Don't heap up empty phrases. There's no need to heap up empty phrases. Why? Your father knows what you need before you even ask. And so there's two rules, and, and, and so where does that leave us? What's the instruction? How do we pray? Well, we're going to get to that next week more closely. But I'll tell you this. The right way to pray is with a pure heart. Do you know that God is your father? You can actually pray to him like he is just that. And Father is this, this term that we use so that 
we can understand what it means. But our Heavenly Father is not quite the same as our earthly fathers. Our Heavenly Father is grander. He's our creator. He's even more. But we are his children. We belong to him. And boy, does he love us enough to listen, to know our hearts, and to care for us, to answer our prayers. Listen to what Pastor J.C. Ryle says. Our prayers may be weak, stammering, or may be poor in our own eyes. But if they come from a right heart, then God understands them. And such prayers are his delight. They are his delight. So just an, an example to kind of summarize where we've, we've been here. There's a Stoic philosopher, Seneca, and he made fun of the pagans for fatiguing the gods. That's the words he uses with their prayers. So Jesus warns his followers not to follow the same course. Don't bother trying to fatigue God. He knows no senseless babbling, heaping up of repetitions. Doesn't win us an audience with God. We don't need to win an audience with God. We have him. Prayer is not about magic formulas or fancy speech. It's about our confidence in the Father's knowing us and our confidence in him responding to our needs, our trust in him and his timing. We pray the same prayers over and over and we ask God, when will you answer this prayer? We trust his timing. His timing is perfect. He knows us even more than we know ourselves. And so with this understanding, our words don't need to be special, just heartfelt and genuine. And sometimes words are not enough and we can have confidence the Holy Spirit. He intercedes for us. Jesus wants, this is what Jesus is saying. He wants his disciples to pray to their father, believing in his kindness. We sing about it. And believing his attentive concern for our lives. Your father already knows what you need before you even ask him. Because he cares. He's watchful, he's caring, and he's loving, and he knows that we need a savior. And we have a savior. His name is Jesus. Well, what do we need saving from? That's my, maybe what you're asking. I don't need a savior, I'm fine on my own. I can manage all things pretty well. I'm organized, and I've made a good life for myself. And, but all those things are empty. We do those things sinfully and selfishly and pridefully and, and God knows the things we do in secret that we know that we shouldn't. The things that hurt ourselves, things that hurt others, that we know in our hearts that we shouldn't be doing. So if you have things going on in your life this morning, today, in this season, that are overwhelming, that you just can't manage to get out yourself, 
You can't get out of this situation. Turn to your heavenly Father. Listen to what's going on in your heart. That conviction. God is saying, return to me, my son, my daughter. And I will care for you. Just trust in me. We all carry these sins that we have and, and we are aware of them at times and, and often not aware of these sins. And what Christ did is he lived the perfect life that we could not. A man called Jesus lived a perfect life. And even though he lived a perfect life, he was tortured and sent to the cross to die without doing anything wrong. He was accused. And on the cross, he took his final breath. And before that, he said, it is finished. Your debt has been paid. And he died. Took on the weight of all of our sin. And he died for us. For all the sin of the world. And the best news and. This is news that I never knew. I heard the story of Jesus when I was young, but I never knew this part of the story. It's a pretty important part. He rose again. He defeated death. Three days later, and, and he appeared to his followers and others, and he proved himself to actually resurrect. And, and what that means is that he conquered death and he conquered sin and he left it in the grave. And so we actually don't need to live with that burden and that weight, that weight of the world that feels on our shoulders, that sin. We can give it to God. We can loosen our grips and give him all things and trust in him that he'll care for us. And I promise you it's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like, but he's going to care for you. And so on that day of judgment, when God sees us, he doesn't see us for all our own sins, all the things that we've done wrong. There's no balancing of the scales and weighing whether or not we did a little more good than bad. Because even then it wouldn't be enough. But instead, God sees Jesus on our behalf. Perfect, spotless, righteous for us. We don't deserve it. But it's a gift of grace given from our loving Heavenly Father. And so know that this morning. You can accept what Jesus has done for you. That tugging on your heart, you can take that to the next step. Put your faith in Jesus for the first time, or for the second or third time, whatever it is, put your faith back in Jesus this morning. Boy, does he care for you, and he knows your heart and what you need. Let's pray together. God of mercy and love, we are thankful 
that you are in control. We thank you that we don't have to be enough to earn ourselves enough or do right by you. We need only put our faith and our trust in Jesus. And Lord, as we do, would you make us whole? Make us new. We thank you that by spending time in your presence, we are given peace, that we are sanctified, that we are convicted of our sins and, and called to repent and to give it all to you, to loosen our grips of our own control and to accept the forgiveness that you offer to us. What a beautiful gift you give, Lord. Lord, help us to take it, to trust in you, to put our faith in you each day. We thank you that you are a holy God and rich in mercy. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.